find it now with Ericsson, pushed out by Harris, in comes Wanyama! Oh, there is the bolt from the blue! Now to go, and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Arsenal are walking in a winter wonderland! What a turnaround! Liverpool 3-0, call it, take it quickly, Origi! All right, we are back for another episode of the 4-4 Brew podcast. On the panel today, Nick Skradsky's here. Nick, how are you? Hey, happy to be back. I had to take a little hiatus last week due to uh, some work, uh, what's the word, priorities, but we're back. Work-related issues. Yeah, we're, we're back and excited <laughs> to be back here. Oh, fantastic. Al Cracky's also here with us today. Alec, how are you doing? What, what? I'm doing good, Pat. Good to be here. I'm ready to uh, talk some soccer, man. All right. Well, yeah, let's get right into it. Pack show for the listeners today. Let's start at the San Siro. Uh, AC Milan 1, Spurs 0. Uh, Brahim Diaz scoring the only goal in this after seven minutes. Uh, Fraser Foster, to be fair, made an absurd save to deny him the first time. And just nobody there marking Diaz as he headed in from half a yard out. But uh wanted to get your th- either of your thoughts on this before, before I develop into my rant. Uh, but were either of you able to catch highlights? Yeah, um, I would like to start off by saying Tottenham's all white kits with the white boots clean. It is, I it was a joy just to watch that. I thought uh, those kits are really well done. Um, I thought Diaz's goal, the diving effort was spectacular. You're not stopping that. I think the goal would have gone in anyway. But uh, I love the cap, the hard effort there at the end, and Rafael Leao. Just a fun guy to watch. I love watching him on the ball. He's so fancy and quick with it. He's entertaining. Um, other than that, you know, I thought it was a uh, pretty uh, fun game to watch. The chances were kind of limited. So from a neutral spec point of view, it was uh, a little slow at times. But in the end, good quality football. So that's all I got to say. Yeah. Nick, anything from you? I mean, piggybacking off that, I feel like sometimes people have been sleeping on Milan a little bit this season just because, you know, I know they won the Scudetto last year, but being not as um, – just not as strong overall this year, especially in Serie A, you know, they've been good. They haven't been incredible. They've had, had some tough form issues. But, um, you know, you, you can never sleep on them. Um, I mean, Al made a good point. Rafael Leao is just a world beater. He's a great player. Um Tough from Spurs' perspective, for sure, um, to not be able to get anything out of that game, I think. Um, I, You know, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it, Pat. I, I, I was only able to catch some limited highlights overall, but I don't know. You've got a second game at home, so fingers crossed that can go your way. But I, I mostly want to hear what you have to say about the game. Yeah, so... All right, so Hoiberg is was suspended for the game because of the yellow card accumulation, which, in my opinion, is ridiculous that that carries over I into hate the knockouts. That, dude. It's so such a frustrating that just doesn't role. make. And Eric Dyer picked up a yellow in this, and now he's suspended for the second leg because of accumulation from the group stage. It should be a reset so after just, the group stage. Yeah, is I, I I mean okay that it makes no difference on this game, but so that meant. That meant that Pape Sar and Oliver Skip, who are, I think, 20 years old each, uh, were handed UCL debuts at the San Siro. And to their credit, they were the only two like Spurs players on the field that I thought like actually cared about the game. Uh, Simon Kier from Milan had Harry Kane on a leash. There's just every time Kane had the ball, he'd had his back to goal and Kier wasn't letting him go around. Uh, he... We we saw this with Arsenal City today. We could touch on it later, but with Bernardo Silva just clattering into uh, Saka every like five minutes and not getting carded, Kier did the same thing to Kane. He did the same challenge on Kane on like the left and right channel, probably like six times. And I don't think he was booked on any of them, which I think is just absurd. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, once once Diaz got that goal, they were just kind of comfortable in defense and keeping Spurs in front of him. And it never looked – I think we had, like, three shots on target, and all three of them just went right down the goalkeeper's throat and just – just a – just kind of a nothing game, if I'm being honest. Like, I wasn't disappointed. Like, I'm upset that we didn't get anything out of the game, but I didn't 
I didn't shut off my laptop after watching that yesterday, like as frustrated as I was after the weekend when we lost to uh, to Lester. But uh, do, I mean, do you feel like there's just a bit of lack of creativity going forward there in the game? I mean, was you know they just didn't have that spark or what? Because I mean, three shots in the entire game is you know obviously not great, and Kier playing a great game. I, I think it is frustrating when you're not getting any calls on tackles like that that aren't you know, really tackles, but. Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of leads into my next point, but Conte just like as great as a manager as he is, he just refuses to change tactically. (laughs) Welcome to it, man. Like that's fine. Like a one nil at the San Siro coming back home. That's fine. Like I'm not going to get like up in arms about it because I mean, AC Milan or Nick, as you said, they won the Scudetto last year. Like they're not, they're not playing well this year, but they're still like a Champions League level side. But and so Conte's reliance on Sun is now just boiling over into just sheer frustration. And Richarlison was brought on with 20 minutes left. And like an attacker is never going to get anything out of the game in 20 minutes. Like they no. need a little bit more time than that to kind of gel into the game. And Richarlison looked like he was ready to play at like the 90th minute. And I'm like, okay, well, we brought him on probably like 10 minutes too late. And this is what I want. I've been thinking about this uh, all day now, Scrat. I was going to ask you this. So Conte refuses to drop some, except for that one game in like September when then he came off the bench and scored a 10-minute hat trick. When Conte was the manager of Chelsea, was there anybody like that? Did he just refuse to not start? Refuse to like not drop, you mean? Um, yeah, I mean, like, if we're going besides the obvious, like Eden Hazard, um, I mean, Victor like, Moses, players that just weren't up to it. I mean, like, Vic- Victor Moses was interesting because, like, he was incredible for a lot of the season, but you get a couple rough patches where, and you could say maybe the same thing about Marcus Alonso, too, incredible most of the season, but a couple rough patches where it's like, all right, man, like, figure it, the, figure it out. But Conte is so so stubborn when it comes to certain players that you know there's absolutely no chance they're getting dropped um and you know we we definitely saw that more after like Chelsea's title winning season um you know when it started to get things started to go downhill with Conte yeah he still gets stubborn and stuck on some of those players and I would agree he refuses to change from his system like he's I don't know if I've ever seen a coach that's more adamant on a system and against changing anything than him when it comes down to things like that and I don't know he has his players he has his guys it sucks sons in not good form because seeing you know how he was last season to this season is it's a shame if anything he's such a fun player to watch but uh, yeah he's just like I don't know, yeah. we can get off we we can get off of Spurs in a second here but son mm-hmm. just isn't the type of player that is going to create with his back to goal and that's just whatever what no, the Milan yeah. defense did yesterday. They were just they were incredibly resolute without Mike Manyan, their number one in goal. And yeah, I mean, whatever. Hoiger can play in the second leg. We won't have Dyer, so that means probably Davidson Sanchez is going to have to start. So that's going to be mind boggling in in of itself. <laughs> Loris probably won't be back by then. So it means Fraser yeah. Forster's back in goal. Who, like, to be fair, he's conceded five goals in two games. I don't think a single goal was his fault. So I think he's doing just about as well as any Spurs fan would expect him to do. He's like mid thirties playing every once in a while. I mean, whatever. All right. So let's move off of that. Let's move to, let's move to Paris PSG nil Bayern Munich one Kingsley Coman coming back to haunt his former team. Uh, Benjamin Pavard also sent off. Uh, I think he was a, he had two yellows. I think, right. Wasn't a straight red. This yep. is at the same time as yep. the Spurs game. So Obviously, this game didn't have my full attention. Uh, but, Nick, were you able to catch any of this game? Yeah, I caught most of the game. Um, it's interesting because, obviously, Mbappe didn't start. He's, in. He's you know, returning from injury right now. So, he only got, um, shit, for 30 minutes towards the end of the game to come on and really have a say. Initially, first half, you know, not, not a ton happened. A little bit back and forth. But, um you know, we weren't really seeing anything crazy. Um, I I think they did. Correct me if I'm wrong. Goodness, I think Byron did score in the first, like late in the first half, though, was when Coleman's goal got scored, if I remember. 
Okay, that's what I thought. Um, I mean, I thought it was a good goal. Great cross from Alfonso Davies and just good finish for Coman being there coming in um, on the back post. After that, you know, going into the second half of the game, a little bit of a stalemate, but obviously it's it just goes to show how important Mbappe is to that PSG team when he comes on and all of a sudden everything starts going their way. Like they're just hand and hammering, hammering, hammering. Couldn't find the back of the net. Pretty unlucky, I think. But it's interesting, I think, just to look at PSG and think, yeah, that is the talisman. That is their guy at this point. Um, really didn't get a lot out of Messi and Neymar in this game either, which I hate to say, and, you know, it's kind of sad, but I guess it's kind of we're seeing, you know, tail ends of their career. Um, Pavard red card, or I guess double yellows into the red. Um Kind of expected. He he had a good game most of the game, I thought, actually. He did save um, one goal from going in for PSG, but that second challenge, I believe it was on Messi, definitely a yellow. So, I'm, I, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how it goes when um, they go back to uh, Munich, how that second leg goes with Mbappe fully fit, because I do think PSG have a chance to – I would never write them off when we get back to that stage. Yeah, I thought the first half was Bayern's and the second half was PSG, just to say it simply. Um, you know, I thought Bayern had created a lot of uh, solid chances there in that first half, but, you know, Donnarumma was just doing Donnarumma things. And I know we experienced that scrad all the time playing FIFA. <laughs> and, and you know, the second half, I thought PSG kind of turned it on a little bit. And... um. Messi actually had a chance to, you know, cap off a 2-1 win, go-ahead goal in uh, the last 10 minutes and uh, ended up missing a clear opportunity, a ground cross in the middle of the box. So um, I, I I think PSG's, uh, they're, they're punching themselves a little bit, uh, <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot, but uh, um, they showed a lot of promising signs there at the end of and uh, last portion of that game. So hopefully they can bring that into Munich and take care of Bayern. But uh, overall, pretty uh, competitive leg. So looking forward to the second. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this side? I guess the last thing I would like touch on, like, this is obviously PSG's goal. Like everyone knows this is PSG's goal. They don't really give a shit about League One. They don't really care about Coup de France or however you pronounce it. Um, like th- this is it. So I think – this next game, out of anything else in the round of 16, this next game against Bayern Munich is going to be absolutely must-watch because I think we're going to see PSG put everything out on the field, obviously, to get through. Um, and, you know, there's potential for, you know, career-defining Mbappe game. Um, when is it? Next week, week after. So, you know, all, all the uh, listeners out there, I would urge you take your time when you can. Throw on the game while you're working or something like that, but make sure you're watching. It's going to be worth it. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Their season probably, their season's on the line with this one, even though they're four. Oh, actually, sorry. One more thing to touch on. And I, I forgot, I saw this today when I was at the gym. I was looking on Twitter. So I guess I didn't realize just how pissed off, like, a lot of the PSG locker room and uh, fans are with Neymar. Like, there's just a lot of negative discourse around Neymar. And, like, yeah, I know they're usually but I didn't realize it was getting to the point where, like, they are really interested in shipping him off. And I guess today, Todd Bully, it, it was today or yesterday, of course, Todd Bully was meeting with the PSG uh, president about potentially bringing in Neymar over the summer. So we can add him Jesus to the list Christ. of 13 other wingers <laughs> we have at the club. Well, so Shocker. one thing, I, I was listening to a different podcast this morning, and the, when they had a French journalist on, and they were talking about uh, – he was talking about PSG and I guess Mbappe after the game was asked whether or not like they think like they'll be able to succeed going to Munich at the beginning of March. And he said, like, if everybody sleeps well and eats right, like we'll have a chance. And I guess that was a dig at Neymar because apparently he's been hosting like these just like monstrous parties at his estate in Paris, like every week. And he's had like the police called on him like numerous times. And I guess like they're just like drinking a shit ton and just like eating like like footballers should not be eating. And yeah. so that's like leading like, to uh, Ronaldinho and Deco back in the yeah, day. Yeah, and I guess that's just like leading to a lot of this friction. Like you're sh- like 
we're five points adrift. Like we're five points like clear of the top of league one, but we don't really care. Like we want to win the champions league and like, you're not helping that. Like you're not helping our goal. Like they already have more losses in 2023 than they did in the whole of 2022, which is just mind boggling given that we're only a month and a half into the new year. But so, yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting. I would not be surprised if Neymar just cut his losses and left PSG. I mean, that like the transfer in itself made no sense in 2017. Like, I don't know why you would leave Barcelona when you did like that. I get it to maybe get out of Messi's shadow, but like think of the Barcelona teams that would have been like those next three years had Neymar not left. But Oh, I, though I think the landscape of the entire game would be very different for sure. Also, I didn't realize that that was the case, like that he was partying like that. And I think that's fascinating. I mean, I know he's always like taking time to like, I don't know, go party with his sister and stuff around like this time of year or whatever. He always happens to be injured. But like, I don't know, for a guy that's won nearly everything and, you know, I thought still had that passion, that drive, like, come on, man, focus on the goal here. Like, don't leave PSG without winning the Champions League. Like, you went there to win the Champions League with PSG. So, well, that was the, I don't know, that blows my that, mind. Not to stay on Neymar for longer than we need to, but that was that was one of the things I feel like we as a podcast talked about uh, before the World Cup. Like, how hard, like, how heavy of a hangover will that be for the players that don't win the World Cup? And I feel like we're seeing that with Neymar. Like, that was, like, his only goal for 2022 was to win the world cup for Brazil. And when they just threw it away to Croatia needlessly, I mean, that must've just killed his spirit. Probably honestly. Yeah. Yeah. He probably just wants to go back to Rio and go to carnival. Like, Oh yeah. He's, still he's on, probably he's hoping still that they crash ahead, out. Dude. So then he yeah. can just kind of cut his losses. Early. That's a great point. But yeah. All right. Well, whatever. Let's stay. Let's, let's move to Dortmund. Then Chelsea nil Dortmund one. Nick, you took <laughs> you took question with how I said it wasn't very surprising, but I mean you you can't be that you can't be that upset with me, can you? Well, I got nervous when uh, I turned on the pregame and Dortmund pulled out one of the cooler tifos I've seen recently. Um, it's like a giant map of Europe, and there was like a traveler looking at it, and it was like wherever you go, we'll be there. Is what it said underneath. It was pretty fucking badass. Got to give them respect for that. Um, God damn it, man. This I don't know what we need to do, dude. Um, you know, I think it was 21 shots Chelsea took today. Um just god, can one go in the back of that? We hit the post like three times. Um I did it was interesting because we got continued to see the uh, game of who's the best partner for um Enzo Fernandez in the midfield today with Ruben Loftus Cheek, who I thought did an all right shift, uh, to be fair. Um, I did enjoy the front four of Havertz, Felix, Mudrik, and, um, Ziyech. I, I like that. Um, and I really enjoyed Chilwell coming in for Cucurella because I actually thought, excuse me, I actually thought that we got to see some forward passes from our left back for once into Mudrik, which him, uh, Chilwell and Felix were connecting wonderfully down the left side. Um, I really liked what I was seeing in the first half, especially, I think Felix is a really special player and we really do need to sign him because he was pretty much our focal point the entire game. Like everything really good was going through him. Um, but man, that one breakaway goal, I felt like we were hammering on Dortmund the whole game and Adeyemi is able to just, you know, so rapid beat Fernandez who, I don't know why Enzo Fernandez is also the guy all the way back on the corner. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like the, there's another player you could sacrifice to go back there, um, maybe with a little more speed. Ariza Blaga did everything he could to try to get a hand on it, but it was a tidy finish on the breakaway. Um, but God, damn, man, it's just frustrating. Like, can this team win a freaking game under Potter? It's It's been so long since we've had a win. Now it comes back to Stanford Bridge, which, you know, we've got the home turf. I hope that plays out in our favor, but... I, I just feel like we're stuck in this rut and I don't have any high expectations. Like I don't have expectations for this team. Like we're just at a low and it's frustrating with how much money we've spent, how many players we've brought in to still be stuck at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so strange that like you just shell out all the, and, and to be fair, Enzo Fernandez looks like he is going to be a problem for 
other teams facing him for the next like decade. He looks so oh, good. Oh my he god, still he, looks every, so his good, movement yeah. like on and off the ball just Did you see the highlight where he played like the ball came out on a corner kick, I think, and it came out to him on the top of the box and instead of like a lot of players just recycling or whatever, he played like a really nice chip over to Koulibaly who almost squared it in for a goal, I believe. But just that vi- immediate vision, I feel like is something we've been lacking so much in this Chelsea team, but continue. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He looks like one of those midfielders where you could basically play him anywhere, like in the middle of the park and he'll, he'll do just Mm. fine. Like he's not going to be like a, a defensive like midfielder. Like he's going to be just moving around just wherever, basically wherever you need him. Uh, But I mean, I think he's like a box to box. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like his, his assist to Joe Felix over the weekend. I think I watched that highlight like 10 times oh. just because of the, like just the precision. So nice. Oh my God. It's just one of those goals where it's like the pass, like the assist is prettier than the goal. And it's yeah, like, oh 100%. my goodness, just inch perfect. Just need the rest of it to gel, man. I mean like, yeah, Enzo, beautiful bright spa. And like, you know, we don't even really need to touch on it a ton later, but Felix bright spot against West Ham bright spot tonight still um and I know everyone keeps touching on the money aspect and I get it like it's a lot of money and there's nothing that Potter or the team or us as fans can really do so it it is challenging getting all those players to glue and get a system in and honestly at this point like I I have thought about this over the last couple weeks I'm not going to sit here and be like oh Potter out or like have all these expectations We're we've thrown so many new players into a new pot at this point. It's kind of, I'm kind of just waiting to get to the end of the season, give them a full preseason, see what we can maybe scrape out the rest of this year. But it almost feels like we need a hard reset because there's just too many variables going on. I think there's too much, like a lot of pressure at the moment. And while I am disappointed in the recent results and everything like that, I do think it's pretty harsh to pass judgment on a guy who's had to meet what, like seven new faces in the last month and integrate them into the first team. Like that's not an easy job and let's not act like he has all the control, you know? I mean like 21 shots today. Do you want Potter to go out there and fucking put him in the back of the net himself? Like, I I don't know what other Chelsea fans expect. So. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what Todd Bowley decides to do. Cause I mean, like, it's not like, failed Chelsea managers of like of old where like the teams were just like shit and like they just weren't doing anything like they're creating a lot of chances they're just getting really unlucky that they're not scoring and I feel like once I mean it was the same issue that he had at Brighton so it's kind of funny that like he leaves Brighton starts scoring goals and he goes to Chelsea and they just stop (laughs) scoring goals Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean I feel like went with a full preseason like I feel like they'll be fine. Maybe get a couple players, a couple more players in, ship a few out. I think they'll be fine. We say that now, but I mean, we bully might bring in Neymar, and that's like adding water to a grease fire. So who who the hell knows how we're gonna look six months from now? That's <laughs> where. Oh yeah. All right. Well, rounding. Oh, go ahead, Al. Who do you guys think? Who do you guys think Thomas Tuchel is for? <laughs> the battle of the X's right there? <laughs> That's a good question, man. Oh man, was he sacked? Was he sacked by Dortmund, or did he, did he just kind of mutually leave? I think he left for P- the PSG job, if I'm not mistaken. He was, I think, I think he was Klopp's predecessor, and then he kind of picked up the pace again and got him back to the top of Bundesliga. Then I think he went to PSG. Dude, well, I saw the Chelsea fans unveiled like a Tuchel um, uh, mini Tifo. Like they had a banner, I guess, out front. I saw that. (laughs) The things that man, and not to dig at Potter again, but the things that dude could do with this squad. Like I still, I will think about this for the rest of my life. We never should have let him go, man. Like he worked wonders in the time that he was here. And I think we're just going to continue to regret that. But it is what it is. So who do you think he was rooting for? Dortmund. Probably Dortmund. (laughs) I think so, too. He was was probably listening in German uh, telecast. (laughs) I would imagine so. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, rounding off the other game in this group, Club Ruga uh, lost 2-0 to Benfica at home. Uh, 
And that's all we're going to say. About this <laughs> let's move into. <laughs> well, let's move into the the prem fixtures from this past weekend. So we'll start at Anfield. Uh, Liverpool two nil uh, over Everton in the Merseyside derby. Al, I feel like we talk about this every week. What what's a realistic season for Liverpool now? Like it look they look a completely different team. I I just I don't know what to think about about them right hey, now. It's one game and like you know you got Van Dyke and Yota back in uh the training and getting into the squad. Um neither getting the start this last weekend but uh included in the game day squad. Uh with them coming back, I mean, it's hard to tell. I think uh their chances of keeping this one game you know, obviously they just won one game, but uh, it was a big game. It was meaningful against Everton, obviously the Merseyside Derby, um, you know, a game of, even though Everton's in the, in the dumps, um, that game can do a lot for a squad momentum wise. So, um, you know, next, next week they got Madrid in the uh, champions league. So that's in the next fixture. So that that's to look forward to, but they got a few uh, premier league matches, um, realistic finish for them. I, I'm going to stick with my original uh, prediction a few weeks ago. I'm thinking like six is what we need to shoot for just to get at least in European football in that last Europa League spot. In an ideal world, you pull a PSG and just put all of your troops in on Champions League and all your effort and, you know, try to go the distance in that competition. But um, obviously that's a lot less likely, but, um, just with the form of all the other clubs in the top six, like, I think they could sneak their way in there. And, uh, especially if they keep up this form, it was good to see Gakbo get on the, the score sheet, um, hope at Anfield. So hopefully that can, uh, spark his fire and he can continue that form. But, um, Diaz looked good. He, it's never a question of his effort. He's hustling all over the field, had a great assist, um to Salah but yeah I think Liverpool if they can keep this form up uh consistently throughout the rest of the season top six is not out of the reach yeah I mean I was just going back to your point on like the a a possible Champions League run I feel like that's the difference between Liverpool and PSG is that they could genuinely make a run in the Champions League just because of how much of a fortress that Anfield is like teams don't come there and win very often, even like the European elite. So like, I mean, Real Madrid, you played Madrid in the Champions League, what, like two two years ago when it was still like fans or fans weren't allowed in the stadium. And I, given, I don't really remember the result of that game, but I mean, like, I don't know if they're going to have very many expectations. I mean, like we've seen Real Madrid teams of old come in like at their height going to Anfield when when Liverpool really weren't what they are now and Liverpool were still winning just because if they had like 70,000 Liverpool fans uh, cheering them on to glory. So, I mean, if any team like that that's kind of down in the dumps is going to make just like a ridiculous run in Europe, I would put all of my money behind uh, behind the Reds of Liverpool. I sure hope you're right, Patty. That is music to my ears. And I do I do agree with you. I think there's a legitimate chance that uh, something like this can happen. I know there's a lot of um, recall, you know, being a Liverpool fan, being a premier league fan in general, there's such high expectations for your club. Um, This would be huge in uh, saving the season, just at least a run that gets them further. That shows that the morale is high at the club and that we can roll this short run into next season. Dude, now that you guys, I didn't realize that Liverpool is playing Madrid in the next round. That is going to be such an incredible game, especially if Liverpool kind of continue, if they can carry some momentum into this game, dude. Wow, am I excited for that. Maybe I'm taking back what I said about second leg of PSG Bayern because that, I'm very, very, very excited for that match. That's going to be that's going to be top tier. Yeah, we got a a lot of good football to look forward to in the coming weeks, so buckle up. Oh, yeah. All right, well, anything else on Liverpool, Al, you want to add before we move on? Nope, nothing new. We can keep moving. All right, sounds good. Well, let's move to the the Olympic Stadium. West Ham won, Chelsea won. Uh, Penny, for your thoughts, Nick? Should have been a fucking penalty at the end of the game, dude. That was a penalty (laughs) if I've ever fucking seen one. 
there's an agenda against Chelsea Football Club in the Premier League, and I don't care what anyone says. Uh, and we kind of touched that on the UCL today, too. There's an agenda in terms of refereeing because, dude, I mean, that was the clearest handball I've ever seen off a of Suchek, off Gallagher's shot. Um, I, I really just – I still don't understand VAR, man. Like, what do we go back and look at? What do we not go back and look at? And why – like – it, it seems it just changes every single time, you know, anytime it's maybe that, you know, that's the bias of being a fan, but every time it's for the other team, it seems, Oh, let's go back and check and review. And there it is. But anytime it's, you know, for your team, I guess not. Um, you know, we touched on it earlier. It was a great assistant goal from uh, Fernandez to Felix. Um, and it was tough to concede shortly later. And we should have had a penalty. It's, it, you know, I'm not going to drag into it too much. It's the same story with Chelsea. We just can't seem to close, can't seem to capitalize on all of our chances and get a little lucky with the refs, unlucky in the, with the refs in the end. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I, I think everyone kind of understands my sentiments there. So who's going to finish higher when it's all said and done, Liverpool or Chelsea? Currently, Liverpool's spot ahead in ninth uh, with a game in hand. 32 points, Chelsea 10, 31 points. I think Liverpool nick it just because of what I was saying about Anfield as well. And they've got Van Dyke coming back. Diego Jota's coming back. I don't know. I mean, unless Potter changes something like quickly, Chelsea just can't score at the minute. And when they do score, they can't hold on. I was going to say, like, being extremely realistic, like, I, I definitely echo what Pat's saying. Unless something changes drastically in a very short amount of time, like, I, I struggle to see us being able to make it down this final stretch and somehow um, make it past Liverpool. So. so so where do you see him finishing? I mean, you know, you're saying, like, Liverpool six, right? I could very, very well see us ending up, like, seventh in the league. Um because does that does that sixth spot get a play in for the Europa League or is it the is the cutoff fifth? Sixth spot gets it. Fifth is automatic qualification. In sixth, sixth, you have you have to like go through oh. the bullshit play right against in, against all this shit. What teams. is it? Is it seventh and eighth yeah. conference league now? I think it's just I think it's just seventh. I don't just think seventh. Eighth. Uh, it gets Chelsea in the conference league, baby. We can add another one to the trophy cabinet. Add a, yeah. <laughs> add another London team to that esteemed competition. Dude, it just like blows my mind. Like thinking about how like a club like Liverpool or Chelsea with so much money and talent invested into it is missing out on champions league football, like a huge, a huge attractant in like big names, moving clubs. Like they're asking themselves, are they in the champions league? Are they, like, do they have European qualification? Is there potential for us to get some trophies? These huge clubs with big names and money, like not getting in, what does that say? You know, how do those players feel? I mean, it, it is their fault. Well, I like do agree with that for sure. I also do. I think there's something to be said about like the projects and like every team goes through a transitionary period. Like, you know, great example, Liverpool after like what the amazing 2013-2014 season or downhill for a few years and then they had that resurgence and obviously not as drastic, but even Chelsea had the won the Premier League, had a terrible year in um, 2015-16 and finished what 10th, 11th, if I remember correctly, and then came back and won the uh, Premier League the next season. So I think it's all about cycles, finding form. Um getting things to gel. And I mean, obviously as we've continually touched on the last few weeks, we're clearly not in that stage. So, you know, I, I, I don't see seventh as extremely unrealistic for us at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Anything else on anything else on Chelsea or would you like to, would you like to move on? Not on Chelsea, but I'm, I'm not on Chelsea, but I'm stuck on this table talk. Do you guys, do you guys think Newcastle hangs in there? Nope. You want to give me a quick rundown of the current table right now as of so Newcastle Newcastle is at 41 points and they're in fourth place. They're they're uh, game in hand on Tottenham, who's sitting in fifth at 39 points. Um I mean recently, just looking at the form, Newcastle is drawn four of their last five games. Yes, so... they're staying in there. I have faith. So like it's a lot of just one points, one points. They did sneak a win in there, um, but gosh, like it's it's 
you know, come come April, this, this is going to be a dogfight for that fourth spot, I think. Yeah, I mean, we saw it last Legend year. Legend Anthony Gordon. <laughs> I mean, we saw it last year, like, nobody wanted fourth place. Like, Spurs were doing everything in their power to not finish fourth. So were Arsenal. Uh, Man United were there, too. Like, it was just like a three-way race for fourth for, like, two months. And Spurs ended up coming up coming out on top. Unbeknown, like, don't really know how that happened. But I will say, I don't think Spurs will finish fourth, but I don't think Newcastle will either. So I wouldn't be surprised if like Liverpool just rattled off like eight wins in a row and then just moved up, moved up in the table. But I don't know. I, I, I just don't think Newcastle have the experience like at this like end of the table to yeah, they got a lot of on. They just young, have too many draws sports. so far. Right. What about Brentford? They're, they've been in good form recently. <laughs> Brentford will not finish in the top four. <laughs> I would I, love to I, see I will that. Say I love that a Cinderella story. I mean, yeah, that'd be great to see, but I don't know. I, I think that might be asking a little too much of the bees. Uh, all right, well, let's yeah, move on. Let's move on to the King Power. Lester. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Pat. Uh, sorry, Spurs. Yeah, yeah, it's my turn now, Nick, again. Uh, <laughs> I don't even like... Uh, so Spurs go ahead, 1-0, and then... Quickly after that, uh, oh, the the midfielder for Leicester who scored that worldy, his name is escaping me, um, but it was like his first goal for Leicester and it's his first competitive goal in like eight years. So, I mean, tip your cap to him. Not really much you can do about that. Couldn't place it any better if you picked it up and placed it in the goal with your hands. Yeah. Uh, but then two minutes later, Madison cuts through. Don't have a fucking clue what Eric Dyer was doing. Uh, he was basically playing as a defensive midfielder and the, uh, the back line looked more like, looked more like Harry Potter's scar on his forehead. Just no <laughs> semblance of a straight back line. And he was at fault for a couple of the goals. And then right before halftime, Iannaccio just given all the fucking time in the world at the top of the box, Eric Dyer just like kind of standing there like, Oh, you're going to shoot. You're going to shoot. You're going to shoot. And then he does. And Frazier Forster can't get down to the corner in time because he's like 37 years old. Um, but the entire the entire back line, they're all bad. When Romero's not there, there is no sense of leadership in that back line, especially when Loris isn't playing. Just just so, so bad. And Poro, Pedro Poro started, which I was really happy about because I was really excited to watch him play after that month-long transfer saga. Um and he was pretty bad. Hand up. He was pretty bad. Didn't really do much in attack. We all, I mean, a lot of Spurs fans, Spurs fans knew going in that like a uh, defensive position is just not his strong suit. Like he's either a wing back or a right midfielder. He is not like a defensive, defensive fullback. And James Madison just kind of picked him apart and just wasn't really able to offer much in attack, um, which is a bit of a shame because then that meant for sure that he wasn't going to start against Milan because Rafael Leao would have eaten him for dinner had he started on that right-hand side. Um, but just just everything was bad. And then to make things worse, uh, Ben Tenker goes down in like the 70th minute, and he comes off, and it didn't look good. And then the next morning, what do I read? He's ruptured his ACL, and he's out until September. So there, there is like the heart of our midfield, like the shining gem in this shit Spurs team, besides Harry Kane and Dan Kulisevsky, just just gone for nine months, just ripped out of our hands. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so now, now we'll probably see Pape Sar start in midfield alongside Hoiberg for the rest of the mm-hmm. season, um, either him or Skip, which I'm fine with either. But the only issue is Ben Tankar was pretty good about turning defense into attack pretty quickly. And neither Hoybjerg nor Saar nor Skip can do that. And I mean, it's not a dig against them. That's just not the way that they play in midfield. But that's just another, just another area that Spurs need an extra body in. And same with everybody in the back line besides Poro and Romero can leave. Like, on, like genuinely, we need a new wing back on the left hand side because Sassanian can't put balls into the box. And his hamstring is just paper thin and he's injured again for another like six weeks. Parasic is not the long-term solution because he's also like 36 
And now he's going to have to start at left wing back every game for the next like six weeks. And so his age will probably catch up to him. Ben Davies is not a center back and he never has been. Eric Dyer is either really good or really bad. And more of the time he's really bad. Devin Sanchez can't play with the ball at his feet. And Emerson had honestly like hand up. He has turned out to be a pretty good defensive player now that he has like some genuine competition at right wing back. And I thought he did pretty well yesterday against Milan. But Mm -hmm. again, he's not – Pedro Porro is a more realistic solution if we're going to keep with this five at the back. And it just all depends on whether Conte wants to stay at the end of the season because his contract's up. And given everything that he's gone through in the last, like, six months, he's lost, like, three or four of his closest friends. And then he had his gallbladder just removed. So he's he's had a bit of a shocker the last couple of months. I would not be surprised if he just said, like, you know what, like, I I just don't have the energy to do this job and I need to go back to Italy and be with my family at, like, the most trying time in my life. So, yeah, I don't – and now there's rumors of a a takeover from one of the guys that owns the Phoenix Suns. So that'd be kind of cool. Oh, no. Yeah, some – Isn't that, like, the guy that's, like – being accused of racism? No, 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 not that guy. It's uh some Iranian American. <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry, don't worry. Um, but it was, I was like, yeah, great, <laughs> great. <laughs> no, I mean, me and my friend, me and my Spurs friends were talking today. I mean, like, if he's like a Todd Bowley type investor, and he wants to just piss away all of his money. Like, we're all here for. Oh, him. there it is. Um, yeah, everyone yeah. likes to chirp and do yeah, it. I got we'll, that guy we'll, on their side. We'll be a sink. <laughs> Yeah, you know what, like, no, you know what, you know what, if anybody, if anybody in in the league is, like, deserving of having a shitload of money spent, it is Spurs fans, for fuck's sake. That would be pretty fun. The year after, the year that we made the Champions League final, didn't have a single transfer in the summer. I don't think people remember that. That was crazy. We had the exact same starting lineup, and then after that, of course, we went on a, a, a small bit of a spending spree, spending, like, 70 million in a summer, which... Nowadays, just like that's one transfer, mustard. Yeah, and it's just like you're gonna have to spend a shitload of money, like revitalizing the back line. And there are a lot of players you go out and get; they're gonna cost a lot of money, but they will do wonders for this team. And I'm looking at Josco Gavardiol from. I was about to uh, ask, who do you want as a center back? Because I know you keep touching on defense, and let's let's go center back specifically, like. Obviously, Romero's a lock. Like, who do you want ideally yeah. and realistically alongside Romero? Van Dijk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that that would be grand if Liverpool are up for selling him. But at the same time, like, it just it all depends on how much money they want to spend. Like, if they're gonna like if if I'm given like two hundred million to revitalize the back line, I'm going after Gavardiol and I'm triggering his release clause of whatever it's like seventy or eighty million. Which nowadays, for a that's defender of that quality, good, who's like to be fair, to do yeah. it, that's a. It's almost like it's almost a steal. Yeah. Like if we're being if we're being honest, and then staying in the Bundesliga, there's that guy from uh, uh, Leverkusen, uh, Hinkapi, I think. I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he played, I think, for Ecuador in the World Cup, and he looked really good as well. So put him, Gavardiol, and Romero in the okay. back line, which. If I'm, which I'm, if I'm being honest, what have been, uh, what I may have done in FIFA career mode uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was getting frustrated <laughs> with uh, Spurs and their transfer Let's strategy. Uh, so yeah, so and then I don't even know who you get at left wing back, but it's it can't be Sessegnon, and it, it Perisic is a good stopgap for the season, but he yeah. is not like a realistic choice, and the goalkeeper needs to change as well. So there's like four players out of the six in defense that needs change. Well, it sounds like an expensive summer. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, if we get that takeover, who knows? Uh, but yeah, all right. So they're in fifth, two points off Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle have a game in hand. Uh, don't know who oh, – we played West Ham this weekend at home. Good opportunity to bounce back, I think. But who the fuck knows? Um, all right, well – United 2-0 two, two over Leeds. Uh, another comfortable win for United in the end. Rashford scoring again. Come on, Leeds. <laughs> Team America. Weston McKinney yeah, had quite the tackle that game. I saw that all over Twitter. Oh, so did Tyler Adams. Uh, they right, both right, went. Right, was, that, was that sarcastic? No, I, 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 dude, it, was a, it was a good tackle. 
I think McKenney was carded in oh, all fairness. It, it, I, but I, I, they I, were I, both I, just yeah. they were crunching tackles. <laughs> yeah. All, all right. right well, that's a good tackle back in the States. Swear. <laughs> Fair enough. And then uh City won three one over Villa uh Dude, Sunday, uh, which me... put them within oh, three ahead. points. Go ahead. I was gonna talk about the City Arsenal game. I thought that's where you're going with it. Um Oh, no, wait no further. Arsenal losing 3-1 to City at home today, which puts City at top of the league on goal difference while Arsenal do have a game in hand. Uh, so, yeah, Let's Nick, go. floor is yours. I want to say I remember um, a few weeks ago we had kind of discussed, like, can Arsenal do it, blah, blah, blah. And I know that I had said you just can't sleep on Manchester City. Like, the guy, they've done it so many times in the last few years. They've got – some of the most elite of elite players out there that show up when it counts, especially in the Premier League. And what a game and what a showing from the guys again. I mean, we're Kevin De Bruyne, a bit unlucky or more maybe just Tommy Yasu not making good decision making um, for that first goal. De Bruyne getting on, class finish, able to chip that into the net. Um, Grealish with a solid goal. Nice little pass across from Holland into Gunawan and back across to Grealish. Like, just good movement. Um, and then Holland does it again. 32 goals in 30 games this year or this season. I mean, what what else can you say about that? That is incredible, incredible. man. So, I don't know. You, you really just can never write off Manchester City. And tough for Arsenal because I don't think Party started, if I remember correctly. He didn't play, right? Yeah, you're right. Which, obviously, I think that definitely hurts them. He's been a rock for them this season. Um, And, you know, good penalty from Saka, but tough to beat Mid-City. I don't don't know what else to say. Like, it's hard to beat the guys that have been there before so many times, you know, in these highs pressure game situations I and mean, you know maybe a couple of years from now arsenal but that's tough yeah i mean like it, it's a it's a weird situation that i find myself in because i don't think it's good yeah. for the league if city win another title but no, at the same time i agree I don't want to see it's okay pat they're gonna get relegated <laughs> yep i yeah, see enough. i feel that yeah. i feel that Oh, uh, dude, I'd rather have City win again than Arsenal uh, win. If I, I'm being I couldn't even log on to Twitter for like a month if Arsenal won the league, dude. Oh, absolutely. I would just delete. You Twitter. might have. To. It just you might I have to. I, I would. <laughs> I would delete Twitter, and I probably wouldn't talk to Caleb for like a, <laughs> at least a summer. I would say, uh, which I think he would be all in favor of. I was just say like, is it shitty me to say like, you know, obviously, like we all have our rivals reason our fandoms and stuff and like i i do like manchester city side i really like a lot of the players on that team like and i if i'm not going to see chelsea succeed i don't want to see manchester city succeed but i do like the players is the thing like kevin de bruyne is a player i really admire riyad mar is a player i really admire i really like watching same with bernardo silva like guys that i think are pretty good people in real life are extremely fun to watch like some of my favorite players to actually watch it's like i don't know maybe like maybe that's shitty me to say i don't know if anyone like agrees with me on that but or if anyone has that with other players and teams but no i and i'm not saying i'm a fan of city like let's make that very clear here i feel the same way with a lot of the city players i feel like except for I, i can't stand jack Grealish. I just cannot stand him. Yeah, no, I that's it, true. Yeah. I can't stand Phil yeah, Foden. He's there too for me too, but Ederson more so, honestly. I think he is one of the most overrated goalkeepers of like this day and age. Like he's really good at distribution. Like he has like City keep a lot of clean sheets, but they're not because of Ederson. Like it's because their defense over the last couple of years has been phenomenal in the league. And like people yeah, like no call him like them. yeah, so it's like ah, he just looks like one of the most cocky motherfuckers you'll ever meet in your life. But I mean, who knows? Like city fans probably love. I, I'm sure city fans love him. Uh, I'm happy to say I don't really know any city fans. So yeah. All right. Well, who do we think is going to finish top of the league then? 
Dude, City. Uh, uh, City. Like, this is just a great example of, um, you know, like, little brother gets a little too big for his britches, and big brother has to wake up from his nap and remind him who the fuck is boss. And, you know, that's really a terrible analogy that I just pulled out of my ass. But <laughs> you get the point. Like, they, they, show, they show up and show out when they need to. The rest of the season, yeah, it's a long rest of the season, but it's going to go by a lot faster than we think. And if I'm going to sit here and think who's going to be more consistent, and, you know, we touch on it all the time, who has the depth? Like, we see party not starting hurt Arsenal a lot today. And so just even on squad depth alone, I'm, I'm going Man City win the league, whether that be good or not. Al? Yeah. Um, yeah, I also got to – Pick Man City to win the title. I just, um, you know, aside from obvious reasons, I just have a lot of respect for uh, Pep as a manager. And, you know, the, there's a lot of shade through media going on towards Man City. And he just has such a well-oiled machine. They're just going to keep running and doing their shit. And I have a lot of respect for him, obviously. Consistent success everywhere he's been. Um, I have Man City finishing top of the table. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say City as well. Um, the fact that they are still yet to play Arsenal at, at the Etihad, I think, is going to be crucial. And even though Arsenal have a game in hand, like, it, it's not completely out of the question that City just don't lose again for the rest of the year. And I don't think I would be as confident saying the same about Arsenal. Like, I feel like the only team that they'll probably lose to are, I think they have to play Liverpool again. And then, and that's at Anfield, so that you know, like that's going to be a tough fixture in itself. And then they have to go away to City again, or yeah, again because they played them in the FA Cup and they lost. Grant, like I, I appreciate they didn't start like. And you, you can't write off some random game, yeah, too. Like, you know, like you, you can't write off some random. At, and I'm not like you could say the same thing for City, but I mean, if we're just looking at it initially, Arsenal stuff to play Liverpool, they stuff to play City, and I mean, shit, Brentford could show up one day, and Ivan Tony could have a hat trick just because. Yeah. Right? the whole so, top ten is just stacked with like uh ohs. Like none of those are going to be gimmies. Like you got to bring it. Yeah. So that's, that's the great thing about the premier league. Like it's anyone's game any given day, but uh, soccer, it's, it's a game of form. Absolutely. So if man City's in form, I see him, I see him taking it. Um, Obviously there's some rocky stretches, but that's what kills you. You know, those two game skids, those two game skids, they'll kill you at the end. in the in the top three, like you drop, like you cannot drop any points. Like it's that point in the season where, you know, you have a goal in sight and you just got to be a freight train and keep going. Like any any loss of point, even a draw, like should be considered a big loss in your locker yeah. room. So, I, yeah, we'll we'll see who handles the adversity better. But um, obviously, clearly a lot of tough matchups and a lot of soccer left to be played. It'd be so, big to see how Arsenal um, responds we'll in their next game. Like. They should definitely come out with a statement win after that to keep the momentum. Because I also don't want people to think like we're not we're sitting here shitting on Arsenal. Like, yeah, I'm not a fan, and you know it would hurt me to see them win the Premier League. But I have a lot of respect for the team and what they've done and built and grown. So, you know, I don't want to write them off, but I do think yeah. City will take home yeah, the title. I agree, and you know what? That feels like a pretty good place to stop for today. So, Nick, thanks so much as always. righty. Happy to be here. Looking forward to uh, coming back. Al, thanks so much for coming on. Peace, guys. It's been real. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with the uh, next round of Champions League fixtures.